Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, welcome to One More Foundations. This is uh, the Epistle of Light and Love, 1 John chapter 2, part number 22. Believe it or not. <laughs> and we're still not even done with it. <laughs> But that's okay. How many, how many know? I heard, actually I heard Andrew Womack say this one time. He said, I never, I never get finished, I just pause. And that's kind of how it is. The, the word of God is wonderful, it's eternal. So there's so much in here. And you really do, you have to, uh, you have to train yourself to hear. Actually, I'll put it to you like this. You have to discipline yourself to hear. Because your body, you know, your body and your mind in this natural world how many have realized that it's contrary to faith? Not only is it contrary to faith, but then your body will tell you, I don't want to be here. And your mind will say, I could be doing something else. And if you really want to engage your faith, though, and grow spiritually, you have to uh, allow the spirit man on the inside, you, the true you, to rise up and dominate those areas uh, of your life. And uh, everybody has the capability of doing it, just not everybody does. Um, but I believe we're going to tonight, amen, and learn something. All right, just a few quick announcements. Of course, next Wednesday uh, will be youth, so there's no youth this uh, Sunday night, but it will be next Wednesday, and uh, uh, it will be from 7 to 8, but doors will be open at 6.30, and then, of course, there's hangout afterwards till around 8.30 or so. So um, just as a reminder for those new hours through the summer, um, next Sunday, this Sunday coming up, the 4th, is Youth Sunday. We're going to have a family barbecue. We'll have some games. A youth auction immediately following the morning, morning service. So make plans to stick around for that as well. That'll be great. We're going to have food and fun and all that stuff. Um, Women's Discipleship Summer Session Foundations for Faith starts next Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. You can sign up at the welcome table. Child care um, is available upon request and it is open to high school-aged ladies as well. And then also men's discipleship, of course, is every second Saturday of the month at 8 a.m. And small groups every fourth week. So you can sign up at the welcome table for that as well. I Actually, we've decided on the next book that we're going to do. And uh, the, the name of it and, and a little bit of a description, I guess, is out available if you want to start signing up for that. Um, that won't start until July. But, uh, but we're prepping for it already. All right, let's go over to 1 John chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 15. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, verse 19, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they... That they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Verse 20, but you and I have a what? 
We have an anointing from the Holy One, and we know all things. How many know that in the midst of what's going on in the world, we have an anointing? Amen? And so, specifically, we're looking at verse number 18 and talking about Antichrist, what Antichrist spirit is, and we kind of dovetailed off here into 2 Timothy. If you want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, that's to the left of 1 John. In your Bible, unless you're digital, then you're just pushing buttons. And I will say, you know, they need to, they really do need to create that Bible app that makes a page turning sound while it's being turned. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter three, and uh, we're talking about, uh, Paul here is talking about what he calls the last days. And he says this, he says, but know this, this is verse one that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Well, that's quite the list, isn't it? All right, so, so far, um, and last week we, let off, we left off on unloving, which is... Uh, in, the, in the Greek, it's actually without natural affection, which I like better. But we also looked at unholy last week. So, so far, we've defined lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. And we left off last week talking about uh, without natural affection. And that's where we're going to head again this week. But I just want to remind you of unholy. Unholy means impious. Wicked and profane, the word means to be irreverent and disrespectful. These are people who are offenders of all that is holy. Are there any of those people today? I was talking to somebody before service, and uh, they were telling me that a friend of theirs from work uh, goes to one of the high schools here in town, and they wore a shirt that said uh, there are only two genders. Because there are. <laughs> I mean, that is the truth. But they got suspended for wearing the shirt. But yet the other side can do what? Almost whatever they want. Now, I know this stuff's been going on for a long time. Um, but the further you get away from the Lord, the more you're going to fall into the world system like this. And you have to protect yourself against it. Now, we know here, obviously, we know we're, we've given ourselves to the Lord um, and we're following his word. But sometimes even believers, they actually have things in their lives that they, they don't realize they're believing something counter to what scripture teaches. And so you have to, there's this constant process that has to take place in our lives of renewing our thinking or transforming the way we think. Now, I didn't write the Bible. It doesn't matter, you know, you say that, but people, people still will get upset with the person speaking the scripture. Because they're, not because necessarily, I mean, you know, it's the whole don't shoot the messenger. But the reality is, is most people, all people know they can't get to God. In other words, they're not going to be able to um, pick at God. They're not going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, cause a, uh, a disturbance, throw rocks at, shoot, 
punch. They can't get to God. So what's the next best thing? You or me. Yeah, that's the next best thing. And so that's, but what, but what happens? These, these are people that have given themselves over to what? To something that's unholy, right? And so that nature is operating in their hearts. It's operating in their minds. And since that's the case, it's going to come out of their mouths and it's going to protrude through their actions, right? Have you ever noticed that what people believe shows up on them? Let's make it really simple, okay? Is there a particular dress that goes with certain unholy things? Colors. Do you see it? It shows up on the outside, right? And so this is what unholy is. It's, it's people that are offenders of all things holy. But we, we gave it this definition, and I think probably this is the best one. But it's this idea, thought of, definition of anything unholy is anything that is not sanctioned of God. Anything that is not sanctioned of God is unholy. It's without God. God is holy. Therefore, it is unholy. Does that make sense? Okay. So we talked about that. And then we, we got into without natural affection, which is the word unloving in your Bible, without natural affection. Do you know the, the scriptures? Jesus is called the cornerstone. Now, he's, he's called other things, but he's called the cornerstone. A cornerstone sets a direction for a building. Everything is built in the kingdom of God off that cornerstone. It gives direction. It gives a line of direction. It, 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 it forms a, a pattern that, is fought, that you can follow that produces a stable a foundation, wall, whatever it is. So in construction, you pour, before you pour your foundation, what do you pour? Footings, right? And why do you do that? For stability, right? So Pentecostals, if you are going to be strong in your faith, you have got to learn to love teaching and line upon line instruction. And people say, I can learn to love that? Yeah. You're going to have to take your mind, grab the thing, not your brain, I said your mind. <laughs> your brain is the physical organ that your mind works through. You're going to have to grab your mind because it's your mind, control it, and focus it in on what God's saying. And what takes place is then a transformation of your thinking, a renewal of the mind. Now, we talk about this. We've referred to it over and over. But I'm telling you that the, the many times the freedom that you're looking for is actually found in the study that you're not doing. So Pentecostals, God bless us, I love us. Word of faithers, whatever you want to say, we believe God moves today. We believe the laying on of hands. We believe in, in uh, casting out devils. We believe in speaking in other tongues. We believe that miracles happen today, right now. In fact, if we wanted to, which I'm not going to, 
I could shift the whole, and what I mean by I, I mean that I could flow with the Holy Ghost, shift the whole service and turn it into a wild time where the Spirit of God really is moving and you'd tangibly feel his presence. Now, people think that's arrogance. It's not arrogance at all. All it is is that after a while, you know how to fellowship with the Lord, how to wait on the Lord, and you can just get over into the flow and flow that way. But what I've found through the years is, is that if you do that, and I believe we'll hit seasons where some of that will take extended periods of time, that will happen. But if you do that, people will always have the mentality, I've got to get to the man or woman of God, the preacher, in order to get free. Or what we do, and this is just, this is just not, this is human nature, okay? I can't get what I need if I don't have this minister pray for me. In other words, we don't mean to do it, but what actually can happen is we become Catholic. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm not dogging Catholics, okay? I've met some great Catholics. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is they have this mentality, I gotta get to the priest. When God has made you a priest. But see, if you don't know that, now there's nothing wrong with hell. I mean, we'll pray for anybody. If you want prayer, if you want a prayer of agreement, all that, we'll do that, of course. We always will. But my, my main purpose, uh, my main, one of my main goals for every believer and the Lord's main goal for every believer, I, I've said it, the Holy Spirit spoke it to me this way and I've said it before. The prophetic destiny of every believer is spiritual maturity in Christ. Amen. Okay, so when you read these things, like when you think about, when you think about something unholy, don't just let your mind, uh, yeah, I kind of know what that means. We don't know what anything really means until we know this as foundation truth. And what I've found through the years is that actually the depth of understanding that will come to a person who will give themselves wholly over to the book and to the Lord in every area and allow the word of God to renew their mind and their thinking, it actually creates this, your ability to believe and walk by faith without needing, uh, without depending on everything around you in an unhealthy way, I should say. It just goes to another level. Now, the other thing that I've found with those people is they don't have, they don't necessarily have uh, they don't live with no problems. It's not like you can get in the book and go, oh, the enemy went away. I guess I don't have any problems anymore. They just win in the problems. How many have realized there are a few problems around? <laughs> How many in the process of this, you've experienced some awesome highs with the Lord, but then there are times where it doesn't feel like anything I'm going to say this, but I don't mean it this way. You felt lows. Do you know it's impossible to have a low in Christ? How could I be low if I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ? Well, and then people go, well, what, what, then what caused it? See, if you study, you know that you're three parts. And in your soul, your mind, you're allowing two parts to gang up against one part, which is resurrected already, which is Christ in you. 
and it makes you when you when you when we begin to all right hear me now this is this is going to be this is going to help if you get this when we allow our thinking or our soul and 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 an unrenewed mind to define our relationship with God when we allow our circumstance to define our relationship with God we experience lows There are no lows in Christ. Now, I'm not saying you won't cry. I'm not saying you don't have emotion. None of that. But you are not a walking emotion. Some people are. (laughs) But you don't need to be. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know how high you are. (laughs) In a biblical sense. If, if the fruit of my spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, come on, what? Faithfulness, right? Gentleness, self-control. At what point do those shut off in your spirit? Tell me you got it, and you just got, you felt more joy. But all you, all that happened was we just changed your thinking to line up with your heart, and your emotions went, oh, yeah, I am happy. <laughs> and you should just pat your little emotions on the, on the shoulder and go, good job. We're getting there, little sweetie. <laughs> right? In other words, we're talking about contentment on Sundays. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when my, no, the joy of the Lord lives in me. It's there all the time. It never leaves. Do you know God's not in heaven going, "Mm, I like them today. I'm going to turn it up. He's already up. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you right now. So you just grab your little tired flesh and go sit up straight, you little knucklehead. You are going to listen and get revelation. (laughs) Right? You see that? See, your, your, your mind, the world, the spirit of Antichrist, your mind and your flesh, well, I should put it like this, the spirit of Antichrist and your flesh, the Antichrist spirit will lie and try to tempt the nature of your flesh. It'll lie to your head. And if your head sides in with that, if you allow your mind to go that direction, you'll actually think, in order for you to be happy, you need to go back to what you used to live in that drove you to where you're at today. Oh, am I the only one that sees that? I watch it happen so many times. I, I'm in this horrible position. I hate my life. And then they give their life to the Lord. And then after about six months, I've watched this happen. People go, they revert in their thinking and follow and go back to the thing that drove them to where they received Christ in the first place. 
The enemy is good at what he does. He is. Now, he's not greater than the one in us, but he is a deceiver, and he's pretty good at it. This is why we need to know these truths. Because if my attitude and my internal, uh, the, the internal conversation within me is all dictated by my circumstances, I'm not in faith. Amen. I know, I know. I love what Joy said. I love growing up. I love, she made this statement. I like seeing that I love God more. Some people think that's not measurable. It's absolutely measurable. Jesus said, if you'll love me, you'll keep my, ah. Oh. It's measurable, right? So if I'm in faith, then what can happen? If I'm in faith, it doesn't matter what's going on around me, right? Because everybody in here has problems, right? Something that you're dealing with, okay? Something that's going on around you in, at some level. We could all give a, a, a litany list. Maybe some less than others, I don't know. doesn't really matter. Problems are problems. But we're not supposed to speak about the mountains, We're supposed to speak to the mountain. Amen? Remind or tell or speak your faith. People say, well, when I get in the service and I really feel it, faith is not a feeling. Just believe and speak from your heart. I don't know if I could do that. You did it when you received Jesus. See, what we do is we speak and then check to see if a symptom changed. Uh-uh-uh, right? We're supposed to what? Speak and believe what we speak. You know what I love about Mark 11, 23 and 24? And I know I'm not talking about a natural affection, I know. But you know what I love about Mark 11, 23 and 24? You can pray once or you can speak a multitude of times. But the result will be the same. The condition to speaking is you just have to believe from your heart. Now, how do I do that? Well, you get your scripture. If the scripture speaks concerning the mountain, then you can speak to the mountain. The mountain has to get up and be moved and cast into the sea, right? So you can actually change what it is that you're up against. If you're willing to endure and be patient with the Lord. And what I mean by that is we're not waiting for him to rev up. We're patient in the process of actually us getting in line with what he's doing. Amen? Because it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. If, if the Lord cannot get cooperation with us, concerning change in obedience to his word, then the circumstance will remain the same. Okay, didn't like that. I got more for you. I'm, I, I got a double-barrel shotgun. <laughs> 
if I will cooperate with the Lord about my bad attitude, then it will change. If I don't, the Lord will go, okay, sit there and enjoy. You're not going to like it, but you're going to have a harvest. And this is what I love about the Lord. He'll just wait there until you're tired, you're tired of it. Joyce Meyer used to say it this way. She'd say, if you ever, you, as soon as, most people change when they get sick and tired of being sick and tired. They start to look for change, right? How, what do I need to do different? There's the answers right there, right? Okay, do you see it? So, <laughs> whatever you've experienced up till Wednesday, and then whatever you'll experience through Sunday, the next time I see you, <laughs> or you see me, and what I experience, what will be the difference? Or is it just, well, we went to work, we came home, we fed the kids, we put them to bed, we put ourselves to bed, we woke up, we went to church, we got done with church, we go to lunch, we got done with lunch, we go to work on Monday. Or it can be, the Lord is with me every day. And when problems come up, you can speak to them in the name of Jesus. And when the fight comes, you can say, I'm ready for the fight. I'm moving forward. I got a vision. I got a plan from God for my marriage. I got a plan from God for my kids. I got a plan from God for my whatever work you do. I've got a plan for God for praying about my coworkers and leading them to the Lord. I got a plan for God for the future. I'm not going to be who I was. I have a new nature on the inside of me. My mind is being renewed, which then my mind siding in with the resurrection within me then can dominate the nature of this flesh and enslave it to righteousness, and I become a witness wherever I go. Not to mention the fact that my eternity is already sealed. My sins are all forgiven. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I've got promises from the Lord that no matter what darkness surrounds me or things come against me, I overcome because the Lord is my lamp. And he enlightens the darkness around me so that I see and know what to do. I am a person of courage and faith. I run to the battle. I don't hide in my tent and wait for Goliath and listen to his words and meditate on his words. But I move forward in faith, grabbing five smooth stones because not only am I going to kill that giant, but there's four other brothers that I'm going to behead on the way. Do you see what I'm saying? But you cannot do that and live like that. I can't if I'm going to live from my emotion and not from my spirit man. Because my emotion, guys, my emotion changes. I don't even feel like getting up and preaching. I don't feel any special anointing at all. None. Sometimes I feel, you know, I'll feel the, uh, the, the presence. I'm talking about feel on my feel, in my emotion, on my flesh. I'll feel what I call, it, it, it is, the presence of God in that natural sense. Most of the time, I'm just stepping out by faith. And I prefer it that way. I used to not. I used to think I had to pray until I got into the presence 
and then I was ready to minister. Guess what I found out? He's always there whether I feel him or not. I'm home. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen? And so there's that commitment on the inside, right? That commitment to do what God wants us to do and to fulfill those, those things that he's called us to fulfill. So in the process of understanding all this, we're in talking about the spirit of Antichrist, what is com- so what is coming against you in this life? It is the spirit of Antichrist. What is, the op- what is Antichrist? It's against the anointed one in his anointing. So anything that comes against you that is counter to his revealed nature is something you have authority over because you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You have the name of Jesus. You can come against that and say, no, I'm not going to yield to that. I have the nature of Christ within me. That has to go in Jesus' name. Not only that, in order to minister to other people, you have to know what, you, what, the, what the Lord has revealed to you, truth concerning their situation. So sometimes people will do this. They'll say, well, and Christian, I'm talking about Christians. Especially, uh, sometimes Christians have been saved for a long time. They'll think, well, I'm not going to go to something or they'll hear about a meeting, or they'll hear about something, or a teaching on something, and they think, well, I've already heard that. Well, that doesn't really minister to me. I'm not going to go to that. See, a mature believer will go, hmm, if I learn about that, maybe I can minister to somebody else. Or since I'm already having victory in this area, maybe I'll be able to help somebody else that is struggling. And this is what development does, right? It's what it does. But just because you have a word from the Lord over your life is not a guarantee that it'll come to pass. You have to learn how to fight. And the enemy's a dirty fighter. You know what I mean by that? I was in, when I was in junior high, these kids came over from high school to beat up a friend of mine. He knew they were coming because it started at one of the games, uh, West High Senior or something like that. I think it was West High Senior. And then he also was in conflict with another kid who was in the junior high, but instead of those two going at it, the, the kid that, you know, was potentially going to get beat up, decided, I'll get my older brother involved. (laughs) So what my friend did was he brought batteries to school. You say, what for? He put the batteries in his fists. So his fists wouldn't give. So when he hit, what happens? It hurts worse. Now, you could crush your hands, your fingers too, right? but there's no give. That's how the enemy is. He's a cheap fighter. But the more you know, the more you know how to deal with him. Amen? And that's why this information is so important. 
That's why scripture, understanding scripture is so important. Otherwise, society and the flow of the world, especially if you're consuming it, it will dupe you. It will. Jesus, the scripture doesn't say in Corinthians, it doesn't say, um, it says, bad company corrupts good morals. Unless you're just so spiritual, it doesn't affect you. You can't just hang out with bad company. It will affect you, right? You have to know truth. Truth sets you free, but you have to invite, as our men's book says, invite the heroes of the land into your home, the godly men and women. You have to have fellowship that way. Amen? So we've been talking about without natural affection, and this is where we'll end at least on Wednesday nights. And this is important. And we talked about, last week we left off here. We, do you remember all the things we were talking about? We talked about television, talked about computers. We talked about digital gadgets. So without natural affection, as far as the definition of it, just, just so we can kind of jog our thinking a little bit here. It means, in the Greek, it means hard-hearted towards kindred, especially of children for parents and parents for children. Rick Renner said it this way, it is a lack of devotion to family, an absence of commitment to one's family, the deterioration of family relationships, the loss of family affection, or the breakdown of the family. It describes individuals that have drifted so far apart that they had, uh, they have, uh, reached a point of irreconcilable difference between themselves. As a result, they found it was easier to part than to stay together. The phrase in Scripture gives us an understanding that the spirit of Antichrist desires the breakdown of the traditional family and home. Have you noticed that? This word gives us the picture of disjointed families who have lost closeness that was once exemplified in the traditional family. And we were talking about how these things can affect television, computers. He calls it digital gadgets. We talked about multiple cars, what that means. We talked about, I think we got into mobile phones. I'm not sure. But mobile phones is one of them. So not that any of these things in and of themselves are demonic. It's how they take over. Like we've noticed it in our own house at times. You can have the TV on and, and four different phones with sound coming off them. Nobody's, nobody's watching what's on the TV. You know what I mean? You got all this stuff going on. And it is, it's part of the day that we're in. I'm not, I, I don't think TV is the one-eyed devil. Okay, I don't think you should just throw your TV into your yard and, you know, that's it, it's over. I'm never going to watch TV again. <laughs> people, people have done this. You know, before it was TV, radio was the devil. Before it was the radio, uh, newspaper was the devil. No, no, they're just things that the devil or Christ can flow through. Does that make sense? But there is some truth to putting that stuff away and engaging in family relationships. Having conversation, right? Learning how to talk to one another, right? There are, there are young people that don't know what to do 
uh, they text each other next to each other, but they don't look at each other and talk. I will say this, too much of that, like, like because there's a, there's a false sense of security in internet and social media. It's a false sense. In other words, it's easy for somebody to attack me on Facebook when they're never going to see me in their life. But the moment they see me face to face, they're not as bold as they used to be. Right? It's easier to be bold. So there's a false sense of security with those things. Well, it's not just getting rid of those things, but it's managing what's there so that the family unit can be what? Strong right? So it can be strong. So let's look at a couple of these things and we'll end with this. And I think this will help you. So mobile phones, statistics show that more than one third of Americans have three or more smartphones in their homes. This is inevitably, this inevitably leads to family members being consumed with calls, texts, or social media. Family members often don't talk to each other when they sit down for a meal or they don't sit down for a meal. I remember growing up, I mean, we sat down for almost every, well, every dinner meal. And then I'd wait, you know, we'd have to wait. My dad would pray and then, you know. My dad had a whole pattern for praying too. And he always did a particular sound at the end of the prayer. He would, he'd always make a noise. At the end. It was like this, like click noise or something. Every time he got done praying, I remember that distinctly. <laughs> But then we would eat, and then we would talk. But of course, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know what a cell phone was. I mean, the first computer I had had a green, uh, like a green screen, and it was this big. It was small. I remember the first video game I got for it was a football game. Scott Beetle, my friend, got it for me, and I put it in there. Do you know what it was? X's and O's. And you picked the play and it ran it. And it, there was a little football and the, yeah, X's and O's. It was terrible graphics. Now people walk into a room when somebody's playing a video game and people think it's a real game. That's how far technology has gone. Now the technology is not wrong. It's just the idea that that's real. It's not. And it causes it can cause problems in our thinking and in our, and in our families if we're not careful. They're too busy reading, sending texts, or surfing the internet. This goes on in the church service. You say, how do you know? I talked to Josh, my digital guy. There are people that come to the service and download stuff on our internet to their phone that has nothing to do in the middle of the church service. And we know who you are. We can read it all back, at least, well, thank God for Josh. I wouldn't have a clue, but he can see it. Oh, yeah, I just, I heightened everything right there, didn't I? People were like, oh, no. We can ping you. We know where you are. <laughs> People are like, oh, it's free internet. <laughs> Ish. 
so we need to ask ourselves the question, are mobile phones contributing to our family spending time together or do they contribute to pulling my family apart? Because I don't want to have that, right? Internet statistics show that 90% of Americans regularly access the internet. Nine out of every 10 homes have access to the internet. Further studies show that the average usage of the internet, internet is nearly seven hours per day per person of those who have access to it in their homes. Now, that's not all bad stuff, you understand. I mean, people are looking up recipes. They're looking up what, I mean, there's a lot of information there. But the point is, is I could be focused here and miss this. Go to a high school football game sometime. Go to a wrestling match. I mean, if, if, if our, you know, the person we went to see isn't wrestling, what do we do? We're like Pavlov's dog. Ding. Ding. I got a like. I got a heart. Somebody watch my reel. I hate the way social media works sometimes. Because I'm friends with a lot of people on social media. And it'll say, it'll, it'll say something like, you know, so-and-so just commented on this post. I've gone to it like once or twice, and afterwards I'm like, I did it the like first two or three times, and then I'm like, never again. I don't care what you commented on. You know what I mean? In the sense of it interrupts anything that you're doing. It's just this constant, if you're not careful, you have to shut it off. You should... If, if you don't think that your phone has... Now, this wouldn't be everybody in the room, but some people. If you don't think that your phone has some level of influence on your life, put it away for a week and see what happens. If you get cold sweats... Well, I don't know what everybody's doing. You don't need to know... You'll be happier if you don't. I could drive myself nuts. <laughs> and, I, and I know we use social media to preach all that stuff. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to realize that's not the real world. Amen. So are the hours my family spends family members spend on the internet contributing or to our spending time together or do they contribute to pulling my family apart social media here we go the latest statistics show that the average social media user spends two and a half hours a day on various social media platforms what effect do you think this has on the fa on family relationships in real life friendships i watched a uh, documentary the other day called the social dilemma and, uh, and this was actually done a while back. Um, I think it's called The Social Dilemma. Is that right? Anyway, this actually was done a while back, and I watched it. And uh, it, they can mark it when Facebook started. Uh, depression and suicide in, teen, in, in uh Middle school teenage girls rose by over 
because of, and then that's when filters came out and all that stuff, you know, you can make yourself, you know, like they have this young girl on there and she's, she's a very, she's a nice looking young girl, but her ears stick out a little bit. And so she took a selfie and posted it. And all these people are like, you know, gorgeous, beautiful, you know, all the, what girls do. I don't know. I have never done that to a guy. <laughs> Ever. They post a picture, I'll like it, but I never go, you're so handsome. <laughs> no. No. Nuh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. And then somebody posted, what about those ears? And then they put an a elephant emoji. And of course, it shows her crying. Well, I'm crying when I'm watching this because I'm like, that was mean. But there's a bigger issue here. Why is this girl getting her identity from that? She should be getting it from her parents. Now, I'm talking about us, the church. We define through the anointing of heaven what our kids believe about themselves. And you know, you know, you guys know me, you know, I'll correct my kids, but they will, they are made in God's image and they will fulfill the plan of God for their life. Amen. So we, we, we have to be aware. So we need to be, do we just, you're not going to be able to annihilate technology, but you have an anointing to deal with it. You have an anointing to deal with these things. We need to teach our kids that if they're told something negative, that doesn't become their world. We can look at it and go, what, are they, what does that mean to us anyway? We know who we are in Christ. They don't define me. So what would be the response of your family members if you required a forced fast from social media for a month? Why don't you try it and see what happens in your family during the time you shut it down? All right, finally, extracurricular activities. Statistics reveal that six out of 10 children among average American households are involved in hours of extracurricular activities. These could include an endless list of school activities, sports, music, art, and so on. Although these activities are deemed important, what is required to get the kids to these activities often puts both financial stress and scheduling challenges on the family. It often leads to a disconnect between spouses because they don't see each other as a result of the time spent driving kids back and forth to events. Often these activities pull the family apart and frequently add nothing to their adult lives later on. Although you need not be against extracurricular activities, you need to ask yourself, are the hours my family spends on extracurricular activities contributing to our spending time together? Or are they distracting that, uh, are they a distraction that contributes to pulling my family apart? Sociologists have determined that all of these things I just listed are among the factors that have contributed to deteriorating marriages and spouses drifting apart as a result of lifestyles that are so fast-paced that husbands and wives don't regularly make time 
to inter interact in a meaningful way. Children who feel neglected or unwanted. Disorders in children who are rushed from one place to the next or who spend too much time watching television, computers, or digital devices rather than relating with parents and siblings. In other words, the culture raises the child, not the parents. Finally, I must mention the devastating role that addiction has to prescribed medication and chemical addictions are producing in the family today. This has truly become a pandemic situation that is, in our, that is out of control. More than 50% of the American population annually misuses prescription drugs. Rising abuse of prescription opioids, which has led to heroin use, it has fueled a record, record number of drug-related deaths. And I put in here, uh, along with this, COVID actually increased a bunch of this stuff because people were home and didn't know what to do. The epidemic has forced the Center for Disease, and D Disease Control to issue a mandate that calls on physicians to look for ways to alleviate pain before prescribing opioids and to limit the duration of, first, of the first prescription. The consequences of this abuse have been steadily worsening and is reflected in the increased treatment admissions, emergency room visits, and overdose deaths. Just ask any professional family counselor or experienced school teacher about the state of families and children, and the majority of them will tell you that the family today is under attack and in serious trouble. All the sociological studies and statistics irrefutably show that there is a downward trend for the traditional family and home over the past decades that is deeply disturbing. But thank God there are those who are willing to wake up to the last day's development. Faithful believers who submit to the authority of the scriptures and who are willing to do whatever is necessary to build a hedge of protection around their homes do not have to fall victim to the destruction of end time attack or antichrist attack on families. And if the enemy has already gained ground in, your, in families, they can stand on God's word and use their authority in the name of Jesus to take back that territory and recapture whatever has been lost. Amen? So, I just wanted to uh, leave you with that one on without natural affection. Now, I'm not sure how I'm going to finish out 1 John completely. I don't know if I'm going to record in my office or what I'm going to do. But realize this, out of everything that we went over, I know that, I know that it is not, uh, you know, running, shouting, exciting uh, type preaching, but it is freedom preaching. So am I telling you, you should throw all your TVs out? You should cancel your internet and throw your phones in the, you know, in the river. <laughs> Don't do that, you'll get in trouble. <laughs> Am I saying you shouldn't have more than one car? No. Am I saying that you shouldn't have, you know, tablets, gadgets, things like that? No. Computers, no. Am I saying you should never uh, be involved in sports? You should never be involved in extracurricular anything, band, orchestra, any of that stuff? No. What the Lord wants us to see is how can we live balanced? What I've seen through the years, most of the time, what I've seen, what happens is you end up, when you, when you overemphasize something over spiritual things, you end up getting out of balance and it causes problems. 
So there are believers that actually will do this. They get themselves into trouble. They know they're in trouble, and so they need help. So what do they do? They run to the Lord, right? They run to the Lord. When they run to the Lord, then the Lord, the pressure comes off. The Lord's anointing his presence. His word begins to work in their lives. They start to make progress. They start to grow and develop a little bit, but the pressure's gone and something else comes up and they actually end up backing off the spiritual side and going and actually revert back into what they were in before or just neglecting their relationship and fellowship with the Lord. And then they actually end up in the cycle again. The enemy is the master of drift. He is the master of drift. You say, what do you mean by that? He will lead you off just a little bit at a time. So people say, well, then what's the solution? Hear from God. About, hear me, everything. Everything. Especially parents. Everything. Because if you don't, what you actually end up doing is you train your kids to follow the pattern that you most dominantly follow. Does that make sense? People sometimes think, well, I, don't, I just don't know why, you know, my kids are this way. <laughs> Ask those that are close to you that will be honest. They know why. Well, I don't know if I want to hear that. Well, then you should prepare yourself to live in the conditions that you're in. Amen. Right? It's, it's just, it's such a basic principle. But it functions in every area of our lives. If we're not careful, the enemy will come in and we get comfortable even in, even in distress, we get comfortable if we're used to it. And then when you get into a life of peace, it's like, I need to find some trouble. Guys, I'm telling you, I have watched this. I didn't take any psychology classes. I just watch people. I watch myself. I watch people that are good Christian people, and they've learned to have chaos in their own home. And over time, they'll bring it to the church. I'm not joking. I've watched it happen repeatedly. Why? Because they have an area of their life that is not renewed to the reality of who they are in Christ. And since that's there, since that's, you know, in that place, they don't even know they're doing it, but they do it. They create chaos without even thinking about it because why? They actually were developed in it. It's how they're used to functioning. Do you know it took me a long time not to go out every Friday and Saturday night? What I mean by that is, I should say it this way, I quit doing it immediately, well, almost immediately, when I got saved. Because I just didn't really know any different. Right? I was used to doing this. But it took me a long time to get the feeling out of me. Every Friday night I thought... Yes, it's Friday. I got to stay up till four in the morning. And then sleep till four the next day. 
and then go to bed at four and sleep till what? For the next day and then try to adjust real quick before I have to go to work back on Monday. Sorry, Terry, I did that a few times. But I was 19. Believe it or not, I was 19 at one time. It takes effort. It takes words that our flesh hate. Discipline. Turn that off. Unplug that. Spend some time. Sit and learn how to have conversation where you haven't before. I'll leave you with this. <laughs> in our Maximized Manhood book, there's a chapter in there where uh, this father's having a problem with his daughter. And they ha he asked for prayer from uh, Ed Cole, which is the author guy. They were at a meeting. And Ed looks at him and says, I'll pray for you if you do one thing. You have to listen to your daughter for one month straight and you can't say anything. You just have to listen. He was mad. The guy was. He said, are you going to do it or not? I won't pray with you if you don't. I like preachers like this. He said, fine, I'll do it. Well, he saw them later. It actually only took three weeks. And he did what he was told. He didn't try to just, you know, control everything and ramrod everything. He just listened. What is that? Is that uncomfortable? But what did it produce? It produced change. His relationship with his daughter went through the roof. I mean, it, everything was copacetic after that time. In other words, they took time to sit, listen, talk, whatever you want to say. They unplugged the world around them and stirred up what? Natural affection. You know when you stop fighting and trying to get your own way in relationships? you realize why you like the person in the first place. Ooh, this is such a high note. I'm so excited. I love, because it eats my lunch too. But you know what? If my lunch needs eaten, apparently I need to fast. <laughs> right? Father, we thank you so much for your word. You're so good to us. Lord, we purpose to be doers and not hearers only of your word. Lord, help us. We receive that help. Lord, we want to change. We want to grow. Lord, your word says in Philippians chapter one that you who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, we are your volunteers. We are those who say, complete that work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.